If you're looking for hats for your business, hunting club, or just whatever, go check out Chickasahay Hat Company. It's locally owned by good folks, so you don't have the hassle of dealing with big box companies. They carry multiple different brands and sizes, including the number one selling hat, the Richardson 112. Custom embroidery is available on all hats and shirts, and to top it off, 10% of all profits go to charities for people that struggle with addiction. Like I said, good people. You can check them out on Facebook at Chickasahay Hat Company or on the web at ChickasahayHatCo.com. All right, we're back. Another episode of the Pinstripes Camo Podcast. Once again, Hunter's not in the room. Uh, it's me and Matt, and we've got two guests tonight. We're going to make it uh, – I'm going to have some people angry with me, but we're going to make this Southern Miss baseball night. I'm not mad at you. I know. <laughs> so Matt's a Southern Miss alum. He's a big – would you consider yourself a booster? Uh, I mean, yeah, but right now the only sport I'm given to right now is uh, golf and Eddie Brusher. Okay. But I used to, I mean, used to, we didn't get to this before the show. Y'all remember there used to be a pizza trailer set up and Little Caesars was sold at every game? That's me. Yes. That's got it. That's me. Okay. That make you a dugout club member. Hey, hey come see me. Uh, <laughs> I'm all about it. No, look, I, I I gave money to Aramark, but I'm dumb. Not Aramark. Uh, y'all sold your rights. Every college, Learfield. Yeah. Their advertising rights. And so I did that for a while until, I'm not going to say what coach, but a coach stopped me and was like, you know we don't get any of that money. Oh. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I can't help y'all sold your advertising rights, though. You know, So I found that go directly to the coach and sponsor that way is how you know that money gets where it's going. Yeah. That's what I do with Eddie. That's kind of how it works here. Yeah. Like if somebody just sends a check in. But if somebody whatever. calls William Carey and says, I want an outfield sign fence, and they'll say, well, this is how much, and you pay it, y'all don't see that money. Yeah, we do. Okay, well, y'all do. Southern Miss Yeah, we not. don't. They we don't, don't see it at all. Really? Yeah, yeah I didn't know that till after IMG. I did it. Yeah, they get everything, and it, what baseball sees is dugout club. Yeah. All right. So the signs on the wall at Pete Taylor, that doesn't go straight to you? Absolutely no. not. Okay. Okay. As a, a lot of universities do that, though. They sell, well, we Instead of having a, to have people on staff that do all your advertising advertising sales, they just sell, you can have our advertising this big company, but you got to give us certain, you know, USM gets the money, but I don't right. think like baseball yeah, I, no, I think athlete athletics get the money, but that's but it's everybody dispersed. does that. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody does that uh, for the most part. They do I know some of. kind of package deal here. Uh, the guy in advancement that, that does athletics, he'll go and he'd be like, "All right, I'm going to sell to Little Caesars, mm-hmm. and you buy this package, and we're going to put a sign at baseball, we're going to put a sign at basketball, or an advertisement on a podcast or whatever, and it's like a package deal." But we see. Like whatever it costs for that sign on the field, we 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 get that. Yeah. So the way I understand it, I think that IMG sells specific spots on our field. Right. It's like, do you want the scoreboard? Do you want the outfield wall? Do you want Correct. something else? Right. It's all specific layouts like that. Okay. And I should have introduced you guys. I didn't even say their name. We got Keller Bradford, who's assistant baseball coach at Southern, and we got this the star player. We got Slade Wilkes in the house. I don't know. Three hole hitter. <laughs> Three hole guy, the masher. From all the way from Columbia Academy. 
Yes, sir. Sorry. Long drive from Hattiesburg. All right, Slade. I, I'm gonna he's <laughs> sugarcoating this. Every time we'd come in here in the spring, he'd say, "Yeah, but y'all, y'all play in a small field. That's that's <laughs> hit. You should have to play in our field because they're apparently." What was that place called? Uh, where did Willie Mays play? It was so huge. Polo grounds. Polo, Polo yeah, grounds. Polo like grounds. nobody could hit it out, kind of thing. That's what he thinks they have. Well, our field is a graveyard. <laughs> it sits in a hole. It's bigger than the Pete. Oh, uh, yeah. and it sits in a hole. But I, you know, this year we set a um, a school record that had been that had been in place since 1978 for home runs. How many y'all hit? I know it's a bigger field. So, eighty. No, oh, that's a lot. Eighty something. Like upper 80, 87, 88. Yeah, you get over 80, and that's a lot of homers for a uh, college baseball team. Yeah. It was a lot. And, and you know, we, which a lot of those were on the road. We play in some smaller parks and we go on the road. But, uh, but I mean, they, I saw more balls hit out of this park last year for our team and our opponents than ever before. I think something's different with the balls now, too. 100%. 100%. Those balls are flying a lot different. So they don't mud y'all's balls either, do they? Yeah. Oh, they do? Okay. But, I mean, not like. Not like where you can't see them, but you're yeah. taking the sheen off. Mm-hmm. You use uh, Delaware mud, I think is what it's called. Yeah, I don't even know what we have. It comes in like a little canister. Yeah. Our pitchers make it too dark for inner school. Yeah, I our said, pitchers. Same thing. Yes. Same thing. Yeah, and, and Keller, you're a pitching guy, you know. So I like a cleaner ball. I like like more of a newer newer ball. You just want the sheen rubbed off. That's yeah, it. just a little bit. Where That's it just it. feels good yeah. in your hands. I don't not like slick. it too. Yeah. I want that sucker white when it comes across the Me dish, too. man. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, you know. We hit some home runs, and, and this park, the, and back to the balls, I know what I was going to say. When I was playing, I could not put my hand all the way around the ball. Like, I couldn't choke it back in my hand, and my you know fingers go right, well, all the way around it. Now I can. And my fingers ain't growing none. No, your hand playing. got bigger, actually. No. <laughs> Grew. There's no way, because I ain't got any taller either. You had a growth spurt at 28. You know what? I got to go. I keep waiting to hear my name in the draft every year. It hadn't happened, so. Uh, what I wanted to talk about tonight and, and and I do want to talk some baseball stuff in a little while because you guys uh, have had a lot of success in, in the last few years. Well, for for a long time now. Um, and Slade, you've been a big part of that success the last couple of years. So I want to talk about some of that in a little while. Uh, main thing that I wanted to start off with tonight is uh, you know deer season starting Saturday. And uh, are you both bow hunters? Yes, sir. All right. You I'm not, the, I'm not a bow hunter okay. actually. You hunt around the Pearl River, I bet. Pretty close, yes, yeah. sir. We got land, or my brother-in-law's got some land on the Pearl River, and then we got some in the uh, pine trees area, I guess you want to say. Yeah, we, yeah. Had, we had Kyle Turner on, Turner Brothers Taxidermy. That's where they hunt, this Pearl River. Yeah, yeah. Slade's so. a real hunter. He uses a bow. I like to sit in a shooting <laughs> house 300 yards away and use a gun. With a heater? With a heater. Yeah. A little, t- little mini TV on, all that kind of stuff. I've never had a mini TV. That's rich folk hunting, man. No, that's just your phone. Use your phone. <laughs> I actually wrote an article yesterday about um, – five common mistakes that hunters make and one of those was being distracted so you know having your phone in your yeah, hands right 100 right. that's i put me. my phone in my pocket and i was like i can't i can't get it no, out. i might miss something some. yeah um but yeah want to talk about deer season coming up uh bow season starts uh north of highway 84 on saturday um you know they, they chopped it up a little it's different this year as far as the zones um i guess it's the same thing but I don't know. I saw a map the other day that it was like the hill zone extends all the way down to to like Marion County, maybe eighty four. Yeah, but it goes down south. 
I don't know. Normally, I don't open until the 15th because it's usually south of 84. Right. And east of 35 is the 15th. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way, that's way it still is, but mm-hmm. I don't know this map. It kind of wiggled its way south, and I was like, well, are these guys going to get to hunt earlier? But they're not. I don't understand the purpose of the way they chopped it up this year. Maybe it's maybe it was uh, antler requirements maybe different. I don't know. I, I got to look into that. But, um, but yeah, are you guys – Slater, are you going to go this weekend or – I don't know. We got a big home football game, so well, it doesn't open for me. That's right. Oh, that's true. It's that's right. You're going to be south eighty four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who wait? Who are y'all playing this weekend in football? Texas State. Need need a big win. We need a win. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Last couple of weeks have been tough, tough, but uh, you know the Tulane game. Tulane's got a really good team. Oh yeah. I mean, they, you know, they're right right on the verge of being a top twenty five team. I thought they I thought they should have beat Ole Miss. Um. So. No, I think we've played. Decent football, and you know, in in all of our games, it's just got to put everything together. They can't put you know? it together yet. Yeah, yeah. got to put it all That'll together. Be good at one asset, but not at the other. Right. I was been. I got a lot of buddies who play too, so it's always fun supporting them. They support us, vice versa. Sure. I think that's a good thing about Southern. I know, Miss I know too. a couple that play just from we see them playing golf and stuff. Football guys. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Riles. He's from Purvis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think okay. he's like a fifth or sixth year senior. Yeah, he's a year <laughs> older than me. He's fifth yeah. year. Okay. And uh, the punter. Bryce Lofton. Bryce Lofton. Yeah. Oh, he's from up not far from you. Uh, he's from somewhere up there close. Jackson area? In the Jackson yeah. area. Huh. So, one thing that we're doing again this year, um, the Big Buck Challenge. Uh, Keller, I know you didn't do it last year because Coach Barry didn't tell you guys about it apparently. I, no, I had no idea. I would 100% been in last Coach year. Coach Oz was a little upset. When he found out in, like, December that we were doing this, he was like, well, I'm not doing it. I said, well, part of that's by my design because I wanted to win the inaugural year, and I didn't need to compete with you. That's <laughs> what I told him. So, um, but, that was, you know what, our guys our guys had a lot of fun with that last year. Um, it gave them something to do competitively in the winter months. Um, and I'm excited that we're going to do it again this year. Uh I and I was I'll be honest I was really determined that I was going to do everything I could to win. So I spent like 10 to 12 days sleeping in a tent in the woods. Keller's out. Yeah, Keller's He's out. That's not, not, not the way I hunt. That's not the way I hunt. I'm out too. I'm not doing that. So camper in the woods, I'm in. Tent. I'm no, out. I did the tent thing. Um and and I had a lot of fun doing it and it was you know, I was I was fortunate. I killed three good bucks last year. Um, I've yeah, already. If you don't kill those three bucks, we win by. Oh, it's, it's a not lot even, of inches. It's not even close. Coach Barry went deer hunting three times last year. What was the deal? I don't with know that? what that deal is. He's got the best hunting spots in Mississippi, but I was like, Coach, you need to let me go. And he just, I don't know. I kept, I read. kept waiting like every day. You he know, I'd that wake one up. One velvet buck. Early yeah. In the year, and that was before we started, so it didn't count. Well, I, I told him he could use it. Yeah. And he may deny that, but I told him, I said, if you want to use that buck, go ahead and enter it. And he was we like, didn't, no. no. We hadn't talked about it at that point, so it yeah. is what it is. But I don't know if he went deer hunting five times after that. And that's oh. not like him. It was just kind of like he just lost interest. I don't know. Well, you know how this whole thing came to be. So Matt was playing golf with him or ran into him on the golf course. No, I was playing the Scott Berry tournament. Played okay. every year. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and so <laughs> Ben had said he wasn't going to hunt. It was the velvet uh, season. It was velvet season. He's like, you're all crazy. And so he goes out. Uh, Coach Barry does. I think he went with Sparkman Walker and uh, killed that buck. And so I told him you had to give Ben a hard time. I've got a video of it. And he, he made a great video. He said something like, uh, oh, it was brutal. You've got to seize the day 
and leave the excuses behind, and that's just what I did. Not and you, it, Ben, but I did. You know, it was good. <laughs> I remember seeing that video. Yeah, <laughs> he said, he's like, you got to be present to win. Yeah, there's that's nobody what he said. that can produce a good quote better than Coach Barry. Oh, and I was like, oh, Matt sent me that video, and I was like, it is on. Yeah, and I, I called him. I was like, hey, I just saw your little video. We're doing a big buck contest. I was like, our guys versus your guys, whatever. And I was like, you know what? If I got a spotlight one at night, I'm sh- not kidding. I didn't do that. But I, I was like, we got to do that. But say who y'all added, because I think this was a mistake. Unless they get sucked into duck hunting. All right. Like so, I do. <laughs> so this year, um, you know, it's going to be William Carey and Southern Miss again. And I, you know what? may regret this. Um, we've added Delta State. And they don't exactly hunt the Piney Woods around Cleveland. There's not a pine tree in Cleveland. So look, they may not all be from the Delta, and that's good for you. But mm-hmm. like Slave was saying before we started, I mean, they can go ten minutes from campus and kill a hundred fifty inch deer if they get lucky on right. pub, on public land. That's right. And, and you mean, know what? I, I got buddies up there right now, and they go there two to three times a week scouting. Yeah, yeah. So they're out yeah. there. That <laughs> makes me feel real good. Y'all in trouble. <laughs> so, did I, so I messed off. Is what we're saying? <laughs> I'm Maybe just saying we combine. Hattiesburg, Southern Miss, William Carey against Delta State. Ooh. That's a good idea. I don't know if Coach Bats would go for it. What was the number last year, like 600 inches? Oh, it was ridiculous. So. That's like four deer for Delta State. <laughs> what is it? How many bucks is it? We can put three in each. Three in each. Or okay. like three, each guy can do three three bucks. Each guy can do three bucks. Yeah. Wait, so how many total are we counting from so, each side? No, no. It, it, keep a running, t- a running total. Oh, so I just so, need to shoot as many deer as I see. So, All yeah. I know is yeah. the last <laughs> yeah. of the season, I was really close to shooting a little four points. So, we win. <laughs> so okay. Oh, you should have. You would have won. The last weekend I was going to get <laughs> to hunt. We were winning until he killed one, I don't know, the 25th of January. It was like the last weekend I could go. Um, and and that's, I called my cousin. And I was like, or he called me and he said, come up and go hunting. And like he's got a really nice place and, and they grow big deer and they manage it really well. And I got there, and I told him, I was like, look, man. I was like, we're down, like, 100 inches. I was like, I need to kill something over 100 inches today. And he was like, you're not shooting 100-inch deer on my place. And I was like, you, you, you probably shouldn't have told me to come up here. <laughs> I was like, because I'm going to shoot the first 100-inch deer I see today. And he was like, no, 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 you can't do that. And he was like, da, 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 da. And, and I wasn't going to just shoot a, a young 100-inch you know, yep. deer or whatever. But the, the buck that I killed – um, it, I think it's even though I killed a couple of really good deer earlier in the year, the buck that I killed that day was the coolest buck I killed last year because he was like a seven and a half year old buck, and I've never killed one that old before in my life. And uh, I think he was like 112 inches or something, and we ended up winning like six inches or whatever it was. And I was like, the whole time, like I was thinking, all right, do I go ahead and send this in because there's like a week left. Do I send this in and risk those guys going and killing a dink buck or whatever? And uh, I went ahead and sent it in to Coach Barry, and I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't hold it out. And um, the whole week, every day, I was nervous. I was like, these guys are going to go kill a 40-inch deer. And hey, after you killed that deer, we were already back scrimmaging. And so, yeah. like, I made a flying trip home on, like, a Tuesday after <laughs> practice. And I, I was in the stand for 40 minutes. I was like, eh, it's now or never. Uh, and there was a four point come out, and I was like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. So <laughs> you can blame Coach Barry, and and I'm gonna throw some shade at, at another one of y'all's players, uh, Graham Crawford. You blame Graham. Graham didn't enter a deer. 
Didn't show up. He didn't show. He wasn't present. You got to be present, present to win. Forty. Graham was duck hunting. We oh, I know. know what he was doing. <laughs> I turn into duck hunter when it gets seasoned. So. But uh, yeah, the whole week our guys were like, "Man, somebody." They were worried that Tate was going to do it. And I was like, "Tate's already put three deer in." I was like, "So Tate can't go kill one." He was like, "Well, Tate will take somebody, and they'll go kill a a, a forty inch deer, and we'll lose." I was like, "Well, y'all ought to do it then. Go kill hey, a Tate forty Parker's inch deer." A killer. Tate Parker I think Tate is a killer. Tate Parker killed those three deer by like. November 29th, huh? Yeah. He's a killer. <laughs> I, don't, he, I saw he's coaching somewhere. It's like high school, I think. I could have swore I saw that. I really don't know. I don't know. He might I be. I'm pretty sure he's a, a lineman, maybe, I think. Okay. Well, he told me. Maybe a lineman. Yeah. But, anyway, so, we're going to – and you killed a good buck last year. Yeah, I killed a good buck. What – uh you you killed it around Columbia? Yeah, I killed it probably five minutes from my house. We got a little little piece of land from our uh, main piece on a uh, creek. Yeah, that uh, we've probably only had about two years. It's actually the probably the smallest of three in there that I was wanting to shoot, and it showed up on a uh, a real rainy afternoon. It was just gross and nasty. And I seem to remember that it was bad weather. Yep. Didn't kill it. Yeah, only deer I saw that day, and I mean it was like four forty. Yeah, and I was like, wow, so that was a cool deer. Yeah, it was a nice deer. Yeah. And then uh, I'm trying to think who else killed. I want to say, did Bryce Fowler kill it? Yeah, I know he killed a deer. Mm-hmm. I know he, he entered a deer, but I felt like he killed a good one. And then uh, for our guys, like, <laughs> so we had, when we started the, the contest, you know, we started with eight guys and then me. Uh, by the time we left for Christmas holidays or Thanksgiving, we had lost two of our players. <laughs> they left. Yeah, and they were they were no longer here. <laughs> and I was like, "Crap, we just lost two two of guys off the deer hunting team." I wasn't even worried about baseball, and uh, I was calling them. I was like, "Hey, man, nobody knows you're not in school still. Uh, you killing any deer?" And they did. That's funny. But uh, yeah, so we had two guys that we lost halfway through the challenge. I made a point. It's kind of like the overseer on the the player side to make some good picks this year. We had a few guys last year that didn't hunt as much as I'd like, as much as I was out there. So we yeah. tried to. Make sure these guys are going to hunt this year. Oh, I've already told our guys, I was like, look, I carried this thing last year. I'm not doing that this year. You guys are going to have to get in the woods or you're going to get smoked. Yeah. I was like, because I don't have three deer this year that I know of that I want to shoot. I don't even have two. that I, I, I know of one that I would like to shoot. But right now, uh, they're cutting a little timber on our place, so I don't even know what's going to happen. They're going to be cutting some of ours around November. Not, really? not excited. <sighs> no. They third rode our pines, and I yep. went out there about two weeks ago, and it looks completely different. Really? Yeah. All right, so he's Pearl River. Where, where are you hunting? I'm right north of Bolton, which is uh, kind of between Jackson and Vicksburg. So the, 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 big, deer, the big deer that I killed. Yeah, that's close to your cousin's place. Isn't yeah. It? The deer that I killed at the end of the season to push us over the top was killed in Bolton. Where at? Uh, Narrow Gauge Road. Off 22? I don't, don't give me saying numbers. North uh, or south of the interstate? North. Probably very close to where I'm at. Yeah. Very close. If you go north of the interstate, right there, off the uh, off the uh, main strip, road splits in two. Yeah. And we're up that way, north of where the road splits in two. You're not far at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what my cousin... Uh, they own a, g- a good bit of land up there, and his parents live on the land, and it's it's right on the Big Black River. Yeah, you got so. some good places up there. Yeah, sure. he's, he grows some big deer, but yeah, he's close he, to Halifax. Yeah, he, he butts up to Halifax. Oh yeah, um, but he had a he had. We're a, in trouble. <laughs> no, I don't want it that often. Um, we we've got a I've got a place uh, in in Kapai County that I go to, um, but 
he had a buck last year. I want to say it was pushing 160. That was coming into his plots every day, and then all of a sudden it was gone. And somebody at Halifax had killed it. I mean, it was a unit of a deer. That hurts. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Halifax is one of the best places right there around the yeah. central part of Mississippi. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. I mean, the Gaddis Farms owns everything up there. Yep. That's who we're up next to them, and and you know, know a bunch of people that hunt their place, and there's always good deer up there. Yeah. One of one of the guys that I hunt with works for Gaddis Farms. And so he gets to hunt. He gets to hunt a lot of their properties when he's, you know, working stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he kills some giant bucks every year. Who is it? Uh, you, well, you know him. You know McKay. McKay Donald? Yeah, yeah. I played baseball with him growing so, up. So, right. Yeah, I, I went to I, high school with him. I hunt with the Donalds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know McKay really well. McKay's a great guy, man. Awesome. Awesome. Um, he's a pretty love, good little second baseman. That's what everybody tells me. Could hit a little bit. Good submarine pitcher, too. Yeah. Well, you know, he looks really athletic when you Doing yeah, I bet you pick those up pretty. Yeah. I bet you well, know who all the submarine pitchers are. <laughs> yeah, my dad dropped them down, of course. Yeah, did he really? Yes, <laughs> that's great. But yeah, I, I've hunted with the, uh, the my cousin uh, is Brandon Parker, who his dad's Hal Parker, and Hal uh, has a partnership with the Donalds, and so I've hunted with them for, yeah, for years now. Yeah, awesome small world. Yeah, it is. It is. Well. uh but yeah, so this year Delta State's in with us, so you got to get after it, Slade. We got that's a task at hand right there. You know, we we might have to partner up on this just to keep Delta State from winning. We got to keep the keep the trophy in Hattiesburg somehow or another. I don't, you know, I don't know how we'll do it, but we'll figure it out. Look, um, I tell you what, though, Coach Ostrander, he is going to be in the woods. I can promise you that. I've hunted with him the last few years, and that dude, he's in the woods at about five a.m. He comes out. 30-minute lunch break, and he's back in as soon as lunch is over. He's that guy. He's that guy. So, you know, I actually got to be – since I've been in college, I've done a lot less duck hunting and more deer hunting. And so I've started to do a lot more, like, late morning, like middle-of-the-day sits, stuff like that, where I'm sitting a lot more than I used to. You'll see some deer at 10, 30, 11 mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. Absolutely. Matt, do you do you do you ever do any midday hunts for deer? Yeah. Yeah, but not super often. There's about four days a year. Once I see that they're chasing, like once my camera start telling me they're chasing in the middle of the day, like all day, yeah, I'll do it then. But other than that, no. Like you never have days where, say, it's full moon, and you know the deer are moving all night. They're not going to move early morning. Do you ever just like, all right, I'm going to sleep in, and I'm going to go get in the stand at like 1030? Because I'm going to go duck hunting in the morning. Well, yeah. Because they coincide, basically. The, the season's right. just about coincide. No, I don't. Um, I used to be big on the moon. Uh you know, I'm a disciple of the Mississippi State Whitetail, you know, program yeah. up there. And Bronson Strickland and Steve Damaris will tell you that the moon has very little to do with the deer's movement. Yeah. It's, I know, uh, it doesn't, it's, 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 I think it's, it does, it's hard. Like when you get in the woods, I think it's hard to, I know what they're saying, mm-hmm. but it's hard to go along with it. Just like cold weather. Right. I'll also tell you that cold weather does not affect the deer's movement. Now, I've, Literally, I, I went to a seminar with Strickland, and I asked him, I was like, how, you, how can you tell us that? We see more deer. He said, there's more hunters in the woods. He said, on a morning that's going to be 50 in the Delta versus a morning that's going to be 25, you'll double the number of hunters in the woods. And they'll all come out saying, well, I saw deer. Yeah. Said, 100%, I will agree with that. He said, I have seen some, yeah. a lot of deer and some big bucks whenever it's like 67 degrees yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. December 5th last year, I killed about 150-inch deer. And I killed him. It was 70 degrees, and the wind was blowing in Chula, Mississippi. I was like, I was Ooh, texting. Chula. Yeah. I've hunted in Chula before. Oh, we got Good talk. deer up there. Yeah. Uh, 
I was texting people saying, I am wasting my time. It was 20-mile-per-hour winds. Yeah. I saw one deer. It's a 150-inch buck. Matt kills 150-inch deer every year. No. <laughs> I have, though, for about the last three years, and that's going to go away. The, I'm going to get into a slump, but I've had a good run. we got to talk about Chula. I had what I believe is the greatest 500 acres of whitetail hunting in the state that is not that hasn't been managed in any way. I, I agree. Mm. I agree. Let's uh, – Let's cut to a break real quick, and uh, when we come back, uh, let's talk a little baseball when we come back. It doesn't matter whether you own your own business or work for someone else. You're going to need office supplies, printing, and office furniture. We all use them every day, so why not use a local family-owned business right here in the Pine Belt? Commercial Stationery Company offers great customer service, free next-day delivery, and free installation on furniture. Call Wayne and Daniel Ross at 601-582-4311. Or go by there and see them yourself at 723 Scuba Street, located in Hattiesburg. Hunting season is here, so why are you still loading your four-wheeler in the back of your truck? Head on over to Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales in Columbia, Mississippi. they got a trailer for all of your hauling needs, including trailers for four-wheelers, side-by-sides, and tractors. Gooseneck trailers and dump trailers are also available. And in the event that you kill a deer with your truck, rather than your rifle, they can take care of that too. Check them out on Facebook at Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales or give them a call at 601-736-3219. All right, we're back with Slade and Keller. So, um, you know, we talked about the Big Buck Challenge. We talked about deer season coming up. Uh, During the break, Matt showed you guys pictures of deer that none of us will ever see in our lifetimes. (laughs) That's Uh, not true. (laughs) Unless we pay for a hunt somewhere. Yeah, if we go to Texas, we could see those. Yeah, uh, they'd be smaller bodies, but right, bigger yeah. racks. Why don't you ever do that? What? Go I to mean, Texas? You, you're losing the Chula place now. You should be going to Texas. Chula's gone. Chula's gone. Yep. Real quick, funny story because I know he doesn't listen to this. The new owner, I know him well. He's a great guy. He called me. What's his name? Uh, Travis Dunn. Okay, He's a big so, farmer up there. So we'll text him the show so he listens. Yeah. To this. Go ahead. So him and two other guys from the coast bought that 500 acres. I just couldn't. It was over a million dollars. And he called me right after Velvet Weekend and said, look, when you get a chance, can you come show us around this place? We can't get deer on camera or anything. We're not seeing any deer during Velvet season. Because you killed all of them. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, I'll hook you up. But then it dawned on me after the conversation. I said, wait a second. I hunted that in Velvet 2022, and I didn't see a deer. And I figured out why. I told you. They harvest all the way around it. It's 500 acres uh, of woods completely surrounded by agricultural fields. Yeah. And so I had to call him back. I was like, look, I'd like to let my ego be huge and tell you I'm the great hunter, and that's why I had the deer. Nobody's ever going to have deer there in velvet season. Right. And he's like, yeah, that's right, because he's a farmer, and he's like, that makes sense. I was like, yeah, I got in the stand the first morning of the first ever velvet season, and as soon as I got up there, guys, I heard something, and I looked, and it was a combine <laughs> coming by the field, like, you know, 150 <laughs> yards away. And I was like, I'm not going to see a deer. I mean, because you know how much corn gets left on the ground in those fields when right. they harvest? I mean, it's thousands of pounds. Yeah, so. well, and that makes you know, and we've said it, or Matt has said it, and I, I, the more I look into it, the more I tend to agree with it. You know, during the velvet season, most of the deer that that we see, the good deer that we see killed, are not killed in the delta, because it's during the harvest time, and you're just not at you know, the extravaganza big buck contest. I think we counted it was either eight or eleven. I can't remember the number. I mean, it was somewhere, it was around, somewhere 10. around ten deer were submitted for velvet, and they were some really good deer. Not a single one was killed in the delta. Nope. Because they're harvesting. Yep. 
You just can't compete the, with the, uh, the fields biggest, full of stuff. I think the biggest one that was there was killed in uh, Covington County. Or Marion. I th- no, Marion this year had a big one killed. Yeah. There was, did you, you see that? Did deer? you see the deer that was killed? Who killed that deer? I can't remember. I don't know who I it was. I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> it was 130-something inch deer, wasn't it? Yeah. Or 140 inch deer or something. Yeah. It was a really big deer. Uh, I can't remember. I saw it on Facebook too, but I don't remember who yeah. killed it. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's fast forward from deer stuff for a minute because, uh, you know, we don't get you guys in here very often to talk baseball. I, I don't get to talk baseball a whole lot on the show because – uh, you know, well, Matt and Hunter will entertain my baseball rants from time to time. And, and our other guy that does the show with us, he's like I said, he's not here tonight. He's a big Ole Miss guy. Mm-hmm. Hate that for him. I, he, but, you know, I, and I'm going to throw some shade at him because he's probably not even going to listen to the show. <laughs> no, he's not. He, he didn't go to Ole Miss. You know, he didn't go to school, which he didn't go to Southern either. But uh, he's a huge Ole Miss fan. And I have never heard anybody rip Mike Bianco as bad as he did the year before and then turn around the next year and be like, we need to build a statue of Mike Bianco. You know? And then the next year, and then the rip next Mike year, Bianco again. all again. I was like, <laughs> man. Like, this is a vicious cycle here. But uh, uh, but for for a minute, let's um, – Let's touch on some baseball stuff. So you guys are like us. Y'all are in the middle of your fall season and everything. So kind of tell us what, what you guys are doing right now as a team. Yeah, so right now we're uh, we're practicing every day, one off day a week. We, we're scrimmaging three times a weekend, Friday through Sunday. And, uh, you know, it's our practice period of the fall. And so we're just, you know, playing right now and just figuring out uh, – you know, we got a lot of new guys and just right. seeing how all that's going to work. And uh, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, the, the new guys that are in right now, just watching them compete, trying to figure out who can do what, who, who can claim this role, who can claim that role, especially on the pitching side. Is You know, never want to ask anybody to do too much, but just want to see what they can do in different situations. You know, want to have right. some of those situational scrimmages where maybe we go out there and we're trying to work on a bunt defense or work on a first and third play, put runners on the bases and – stuff like that, and see how guys respond. And I know we're going to do that coming up here pretty soon. Yeah. So when you do your inter-squad scrimmages, sometimes you'll set up scenarios. We or, haven't up to this point, but that's something we're planning on doing yeah. here in the next week or so. Yeah, so we were actually haven't even told you about that it. yet. Yeah. I heard. Well, we were big on that before the year before you got here. My freshman year, I don't know why, but we did that a ton that fall. I think it's important right now just because with we got so many new guys that we know are going to play roles, but we just don't know what those roles are going to be yet. Yeah. Right. And we're kind of in the same boat with our pitching right now. We've got a lot of new arms on the roster. Um, as far as position players go, we only lost two guys. So you kind of have a good idea of what those guys can do and you know the things they do well and things they don't do very well. But some of the pitchers, you don't know how they're going to respond in certain situations. And right now, so far with our inter-squad games, we just played it straight up. You know, you start start the game and go inning to inning. And I think going forward, we we may potentially do some of the stuff you're talking about. Like, all right, we're going to bring this guy in. He's going to be a runner at second base. There's going to be one out. He's got to get out of the end. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah. Figure out what you got to do. How do you get these outs? Right. You know? And, and uh, you know, obviously our guys are on pitch counts right now as far as what they're doing. And, the way we did do it last week, last week was our first week of scrimmages. If a pitcher hit his his pitch count number in the inning and say he didn't get to three outs, we stopped the inning, rolled it over, swapped sides. But when we came back with the, the new pitcher that comes in, we put the runners back on base. Oh, I like that. Yeah, we haven't done anything like that, but that's good. No, and I thought about it. It's all geared toward the pitching. 
What well, the, we, I was coming up and played the other day with the bases loaded and one out, and they're like rolling. I'm like, oh. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I wanted to avoid. And we talked about it. I said, I don't want to get into a situation where we make it all about the pitchers because <laughs> you tapped him on arm. Uh, <laughs> I said, because these hitters at the same time, they've got to learn how to hit with men in scoring position. And they got to learn, all right, uh, I got runners at second and third right here. There's a base open. I'm going to get pitched to a lot different than I would if there's nobody on and I'm starting the inning off. And I thought for our hitters it would help them as well. And and the guys that we're bringing in are going to be relievers anyway, and they're going to get thrown into those situations. So why not just roll it over and then put the runners back on base and start it that way? Yeah, we'll see if we can talk Coach Oz into that. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Tell him where it came from. Tell him say, you know what, you need any more baseball advice, y'all just come over to William Carey and get it. We got it. You, know? you got to let me ask the pitching question I've always wanted to ask. I've always wanted to ask Coach Barry, but I've never really had an opportunity. So hopefully Keller can answer this. I've never understood, and I'm sure there's a good reason, I'm a baseball fan, I'm not a college baseball player, why early season, before you're in conference games, you don't throw aces against your highest RPI teams of the year. Examples I give is we'll play Mississippi State and Ole Miss early in the season before conference midweek. We pitch by committee. And I've always wondered why. That is, it, to me, it would be huge for Southern to be winning those games. Well, it is, but I think well, me, it, I got uh, something Slay's first. Got <laughs> it depends on what year. Our Friday guy two years ago was fishing the midweeks for the first month, Tanner Hall. Yeah. And we won some big midweek games yeah. that year. Yeah, in 22 all, we did. Remember. But like yeah. in 23, we just, went less than two year. innings per pitcher. Because his players that year, we knew he should have been on the weekend, at least Saturday, if not Friday. And so we were like, ah, you know, why is he not pitching on the weekend? And it made sense. We just rolled him out there on midweek games. Yeah. Like, yeah. We went 4 yeah. 0 when he was starting. Yeah. But like, yeah, so you're this playing, year, you can go ahead. No, yeah, this, <laughs> this year before Valpo, and I'm not, nothing against Valpo, but like, it's not a conference game. It's not, we didn't pitch him. We pitched him against Valpo on Friday, I believe, but we didn't pitch him against Ole Miss. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we lost that game too. We did. And so I've, I've just always wondered what, what's the reasoning because you don't get many high RPI teams late in the season. Typically. No, I, you're right. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. It's just from a pitching perspective, it's so important to stay in a routine, to stay in a seven day routine. That's what I was going to tell you. Yeah, I mean, for for the starters, the midweek starters, we have got to win conference games to get good seating, to get mm-hmm. what where we want to be. Obviously, RPI in our conference is really good as well. The conference tournament, all that kind of stuff, but. For the most part, the routine that comes into place with the three starters on the weekends is the most important thing to where they're healthy for 15, 16, 17 weeks mm-hmm. and not breaking down because they're you know starting a Tuesday game, turning around, starting a Saturday game, coming back in on Tuesday, that kind of stuff. So that's a, my reasoning behind it for okay. sure. In, in my experience through the years, and, and we used to play, you know, when I was playing here and when I first started coaching here, we still played some Division One schools then some of the smaller schools, and a lot of times we would throw our Friday night guy on a Tuesday against Nichols or somebody like that, and you're like, all right, then you beat them. Well, then you play that weekend and say it's a non-conference matchup against, you know, somebody from up north that's coming down and playing early in the year, and they're not real good. And you play well, and you beat those guys too. And so now you're 4-0 and for that week. But the next week you open up with – or you say you got a bad midweek team – but you got a good team on the weekend, and that schedule flips. And now that guy that's through on Tuesday against Nichols doesn't throw again until the following Friday. Right. And that's a routine that's – and it never went well. Right. Well, hindsight – never went hindsight well. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure. Obviously. 
but Hall lost against Valpo on Friday. Yes, he did. And he I was did. like, like six to one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> we could have pitched him against Ole Miss. <laughs> our, our new second baseman was in that lineup for Valpo, batting two hole. Oh, really? Three, three off Tanner Hall. Okay. Oh, I bet he ran his mouth. And now he's playing here. <laughs> he does. Oh, yeah. yeah. He That's awesome. That's awesome. But I mean, I but, would never, as a fan, I, I I had to look. I would never know that we lost to Valpo on Friday. Yeah, I'd remember if we beat Ole Miss on I'll Tuesday. Look, I'll never forget it. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something else, and, and, and not to disparage you, Matt, but as a fan, mm-hmm. the one thing you also don't know is just because you're playing Valpo on Friday is everybody has a dude. All you need, on one, all you need is one arm to win a game. I mean, you need more, yeah. but there's, there's always a team that has one. Guy. There yeah. you go. There yeah. you go. The number one guy from Sanford. I mean, there was a, so yeah. much heat on social media. I know about starting saving Tanner Hall for Auburn game two, saving Tanner Hall for Auburn game two. The dude from Sanford went like seven shutty against us. He's a fourth yeah. rounder. Yeah, Penn a had a rounder. Penn had a stud too, didn't they? Yeah, like four. Yeah, they were so good. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and that's the way it is now. And that's the the I think the parity in the college game has gotten so much better that you you can't do it the way you think you could do it. And like going into a tournament, we have one time <laughs> one time in the last ten years at least that I can remember that I talked Coach Offord into not starting our best guy on the opening game of the tournament was this past year for our conference tournament. We'd already, you know, won our regular season. We went 22-2 and two in our conference in the regular season. So we're the number one seed. We're going to play the number eight seed in the tournament. And I said, hey, why don't we pitch down, give that guy an extra day of rest anyway, because the tournament was starting a day earlier than what we'd been playing. I said, so he gets his normal rest. And if one of our down-the-line guys can't beat the eight seed, I mean, he's either going to have – say our number four guy is either going to have to throw the first game against the eight seed or he's going to have to pitch on the championship on Saturday or Sunday. And I was like, I'd much rather him throw against the eight seed, right? And that was my logic. I'm thinking that. And and we'll talk with Eric Ebers, our pitching guy, about it, and he was kind of on board with it too. So we talked Coach Offord into throwing down for that first game. Well, heck, we lost the first game of the tournament to the eight seed. Now we got to pitch all of our guys the next day to, you know, to keep playing in the tournament or whatever. And – we ended up making it all the way through the loser's bracket, playing the, the if-necessary game on our side of the bracket, and then getting to the championship. And by the time we got to the conference championship game, we got the crap beat out of us because we didn't have any arms right. left. And that's what that Coach Barry's point, and he said this every single time we got into that situation in a conference tournament or a regional or whatever, you start your number one in the first game because that's the only guy who's got a chance to come back for Sunday mm-hmm. or come right. back for Monday in a regional. And if you get to that point and you're in that championship winner-go-home game, the only person you're going to want on the mound is that number one, and the only person that could bounce back for that is the guy who throws the first game. Yeah. Right. So, Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. We were at the World Series this past year, and you know, you're not pitching down at the World Series, and we throw our number one guy the opening game, and he ends up coming back later and throwing in the World Series for us. Uh, he, he was the only one that could have gave his chance later in, right. the, in the tournament. And it didn't work out, but – um, you know, it happens. So, uh, f- so fall ball, you guys go six weeks. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So that's the same as us. Yeah. Okay. And then after we get done with our, you know, our fall scrimmages and everything, we go back to conditioning. We go back to lifting. Basically that carries us through Christmas. When we come back from Christmas, it's full steam ahead. I'm assuming that's the same thing for you guys. We, uh, right? we lift all the way through. We, we yeah. lift all the way through and we'll continue to lift even after six weeks is over. The only difference is we've got, um, pretty much skill work that we'll work in there. And some pitchers, from my perspective as a pitching guy, some pitchers will be shut down. 
That'll right. be their rest period to build back up later. And then some guys, some maybe some of the younger guys, that's whenever we can really get into the weeds with some mechanical stuff, some delivery stuff, and really trying to develop them as much as we possibly can before they go home for Christmas. So you can have, in the NCAA, after you guys finish your six weeks of fall, can, like, Slade come out and say, all right, uh, Krill's going to throw Slade BP today. Can he do anything batting ball? Yeah, you got, like, pretty much, like, 45 minutes a day is what yeah, okay. you can do. You so can't we, even get an hour. Yeah, you, we yeah. try to manage it the best way po- we possibly can, having them out there, like, from a pitching perspective. Hey, you go warm up on your own, do all that stuff on your own, and while I come out there – to actually be a part of what we're doing, we can go ahead and start throwing and stuff. See, they can do as much voluntary stuff on their own right. as they want to. The difference for us is once we finish our six weeks, no more bat and ball stuff. We we can't be involved in bat and ball stuff. Really? Yeah. Like so, once the, once our fall is done, I guess what in October, uh, our guys can do all the volunteer you know the voluntary stuff that they want to, but we can't give any kind of instruction regarding bat and ball. Really? Yeah. So it's kind of hamstrung. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, basically, you you can't even really make a schedule to say, hey, today I want you to get this many swings off the tee, this many many swings off the of sliders on the machine or anything like. I can't tell you that. Hmm. Uh, technically, I guess. So <laughs> it's it's a weird deal the way the rules are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, normally as hitters, we'll kind of go into like a skill group. Say we got like I don't know four sessions throughout the day, just whatever works for people's schedule, and we'll. You know, we always get down and do our early work probably an hour before our field time is. So once we're on the field, like, we'll be hands-on with Coach for 45 minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, he'll head back up and we'll finish up doing whatever. Yeah. How long do your practices normally last this time of the year? Like a regular practice day? Two, two and a half, three hours maybe? Yeah. Yeah, two and a half, three. So we usually get on the field about 1 o'clock for early work starts. And then, you know, we'll roll into individual defensive stuff, team defensive stuff, and then you know, BP, things like that, and then it's to the weight room. You know, we're a lot of lifting still. Yeah, I got you. So our, our lifts, we'll they, lift, they the lift in the morning, yeah. Yeah. And then we'll practice, but same type of practice situation. Well, yeah. uh, what we've been implementing, we did it, I guess, last week, and we're going to do it again on Friday, to do some coach pitch scrimmages. Instead of a pitcher throwing, we'll do a coach pitch scrimmage. And so now I think on Friday, me and uh, Travis Grill, our hitting coach, we're going at it against each other, pitching – for each individual team. Behind a screen, right? Yes. Okay. And you, not from 60 feet, 6 well, inches. Okay. I yeah. got about 52 feet in me, and that's it. <laughs> I don't have that anymore. <laughs> when, I, when I first got done playing and got into coaching, I was still throwing from the mound. Oh, and God, I can't imagine. Dude, when I hit, like, 30, I was like, that's it. And 30 was a long time ago. That's <laughs> yeah, like Coach Barry told me back in the day. He just, like, throw from the mound a lot when he was at Meridian. I was yeah. like – I, I've never even seen anyone do that, you know. I, now, I've complained to Ben throwing to 11, 12-year-olds, wreck ball. I was like, no, I threw 280 pitches, and I, I, none of them were over 35 miles an hour, but I'm dying. I was like, my arm is killing me. <laughs> so, so who throws most of the BP for you guys, Krill? Krill, Danny Lynch, who's our GA now, has been throwing yeah. a little bit of it, and um, and Ben Brewer, um, yeah. another committee. assistant coach. Yeah, kind of a committee. Coach I will say, the best. Yeah, Coach Krill's got some it's good money. BP. He, he lays it in there? Little low three quarter lays it right in every time. Like the, that natural infield yep. motion. I'll I give got. it to. I got to give a shout out to Brand Jones, who's now assistant at Pearl River. Yep. He was our GA. Okay. And I don't know if he's going to be listening to this, but he threw BP every single <laughs> he day it every for day. the last two years. 
He's a machine. He, dom- he was a machine. He he's, dominated it. He's a young guy too, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. With Slade having power, I got to ask this question. And look, this hurts because I was there. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it. But if y'all hit a ball, have you hit a ball as far as the Tennessee first baseman hit that ball? Dude, he hit the, he hit the church on the bounce. I'm partial, but yes. You have? You I, know, I, I believe you has. have. I think he has. I believe you have. No, I mean, I'm just that's saying a like. long ways, but like, I yeah. think so. A few. Like that ball you hit against Troy on Sunday or Sunday. Saturday? Sunday. Sunday. It yeah. looked like it went into Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> like, as a Southern fan, when that guy hit it, I was like, I'm I, I told my wife, I was, I was like, that's one of, of the dugout. longest home runs I've ever seen here. I was in the bottom of the dugout <laughs> getting a glass of water before I got back on the top step. I was DH that, uh, yeah. last year, and I dropped my cup when he hit it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say something about the guy though. He's and, huge, and, and He's I don't like care. Six, five I don't care if a Tennessee fan hears this and gives us death threats. I don't think the guy could hit. No, he could. We threw it right. Into you his had to throw it right that, into his backpack. Perfect. It he was went, a perfect. He pitch. went straight down to it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I thought he was the easiest out in their lineup. Yeah. And if you look at his stats from the years past, I mean, I remember watching him for two years. That's just kind of what he did. He'd yeah. run into if one. If he connected, like, it was yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, he's a big, strong guy. But oh, he's swing massive. Held by a swing. I mean, he wasn't a pure hitter. Right. Yeah. He's just gonna run into it. Yeah. And he could miss hit him out. And I'm not saying this because you're in the room with me. If I got to take that guy or Slade Wilkes, I take Slade Wilkes every day of the week. Oh yeah, I'm just talking about that one swing because when it happened, we were all like, oh. Yeah, that, that was did. impressive. He I was like, that's the funnest one I've ever seen hit in here. Yeah. Did y'all <laughs> see the one that Matt Walner hit last night? Uh, yes, I got that sent. Was it a grand slam? Grand Slam, I think four hundred eighty-six feet or something. It was further than that. Oh, it may have been. It like it was five hundred feet. I've got the Twitter post. It was getting my phone was blowing up. Well, you, somebody sent both of us a text. It was Dane. Was that Dane, yeah, Dane. Our buddy Dane. He's been on the show before. He used to pitch at Southern. He was a walk-on for one year. Uh, that would have been in two thousand four. Yep. Or five. Two thousand. He does have a really cool claim though. <clears throat> he he walk-on pitched for one year. We're getting murdered by Mississippi State. They brought him in. First ever appearance. He struck out the side. Yeah. Mm. I was That's like, buddy. Cool. And that, he was like, they were all pinch hitters. I was like, yeah, but, dude, I didn't know you were going to get to pitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to not let them make contact is impressive. All right. Let's talk – since we're talking about – since you brought up the stupid Tennessee home run nobody wants to talk about. Um, it happened. It was impressive. <laughs> it was a long home run. <laughs> you guys did a phenomenal job last year, especially down the stretch. I thought the turning point in your season was on Sunday – at Coastal Carolina. 100%. No doubt. Coming back and winning that third game of the series. It was honestly like Saturday night at Coastal Carolina getting beat like that yeah. and everybody going, don't want this to happen again. Yeah. This ain't happening again. You know, you I guys. I mean, yeah, we were at a point where what were we were 23 and 15. Yeah, I think so. 16. We yes. just, just put up or shut up. Yeah. I mean, we had to figure it out and we, we were a we little were beat up, you four, know. Four or five. It was one of those things at that point of the season when the hitters were hitting good. The pitching staff was getting hit, giving up runs. It was just vice versa. Right. Could not put it together. And then that day, the pitching staff, we were, we got behind early, but we put together some good ABs, good ABs, come back, and we ended up beating them by like six or seven that day. Right. Mm-hmm. It would be like just, 15 to eight. Yeah. And we tore off 15 in a row. I remember looking at the schedule after that day, after you guys came back and won that game at Coastal, took the third game, and looking at the schedule going, they're fixing to get well. Because there were some good games coming up that were going to help you out with your schedule. And a lot of that, people don't understand that, too, from the outside looking in. Sometimes you play a really good schedule early in the season, and you're still trying to figure things out as a coach, and and, and your players are trying to figure out their roles, and you're kind of 500 or a little over 500 ball, and all of a sudden that schedule flips for you. Mm -hmm. And you get hot, 
and then you can beat anybody. You know, the confidence levels, you know it as a hitter. Mm-hmm. When you go in the box and you feel so good about yourself and, and, and everything feels right. And I looked at the schedule and I was like, you know what, these guys are fixing to get well. They're going to get to come home. And, and I'm telling you guys, I don't know what goes on. They call it the Pete Taylor magic or whatever they call it. Something goes on over that ballpark. If you guys get the last at bat and you're down a run or two runs, you're winning the ball game. We say it yeah. all the time. Like, we'll be watching it. You know, we'll be at the office or something watching it and like, oh, Southern's down two in the ninth. And we go, well, they're going to win the game. <laughs> and part of that is, is – Hey, Coach Barry, you always say, you got to believe, boys. It's going to happen. Sure. You got to believe. Well, and that's, that's the mentality you got to have. Taylor magic. You guys are used to winning. And that's the way we feel over here with our mm-hmm. schedule. We've and, and the group of guys that we've got right now have won three conference championships in a row. They're used to winning. And that makes a big difference later in the year when you get in those tight games. The team that's used to winning usually wins. Yep. That's how we won that the regional this year. I feel like at yep. Auburn was it was a lineup Absolutely. that had been there three years in a row. We lost game one and there was no panic. It right. was like, all right, well now it's time to go to work. Right. We just can't lose again. That's fine. We'll just we win. Had, we had Auburn game two and we we're like, Hey, we beat them. We're we're all yep. sure enough. That was a tough thing early in the season, the first thirty games was uh, putting together the pitching staff. Yeah. We lost six arms or seven. Oh, six, more, six arms to the six, draft. Yeah, just something. six to the draft. Yeah. And losing all those arms, I mean, trying to figure out who can do what and putting the pieces together. And I know for Coach Oz, learning how to call a guy like Billy Oldham, who's not, you know, doesn't throw as hard, but has got great stuff and just mix and match, find the rhythm. And he figured out Billy and Cross was great. Justin Storm became that guy at the end of the year. and just I thought Storm out. was fantastic for you guys. I thought he was, warrior. he was your best guy. Out of the pen, no doubt. Yeah, he was a warrior. He he middle of the season on. Yeah. I, I don't even. I wouldn't even consider him our closer. When he came in, he'd come in like the seventh. He's right. like our finisher. He's that guy. He'd come in and ball game's over. That's right. He grew. He he grew a lot. He that's, matured. That's he probably figured my, it out. My best he just, college yeah. yeah. He 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 was unbelievable. He's a golden eagle legend now. Absolutely is, and 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 then you know you guys, you, you, you like you said, you lose the first game of the regional, you come back. You fight and claw your way through that. You win that. You get to host again. Everybody said, oh, they shouldn't host. You know, somebody else should host. Absolutely not. You guys absolutely deserve to host the region, the Super again. And what a phenomenal experience for you guys. And what a great deal for the city of Hattiesburg that was. Um, I, I will admit I have not been to a baseball game at Pete Taylor Park when Southern Miss was playing in quite a long time. Uh, I was able to make it to the Monday night game. The, you know the, the third game mm-hmm. of the super, and the atmosphere was electric. Oh yeah, it was phenomenal. Everything Even at, like was nine p.m. We started at like nine. Oh, it was right, like nine thirty start. That was the only reason I made it. Uh, Jeff Cook, mm-hmm. uh, you know, play. So Jeff Cook calls me and he's like, "Hey man, I've got tickets to the game night. Come on, let's go to the game." And I was like, "Jeff, I'm gonna watch it on my couch." He goes, "No, no, no, no. You gotta go. You gotta go. We got good seats. Come on." I said, "Well, all right." And he says, "I'll be, I'll be there to get you." So we, you know, he picks me up. I go with Jeff, and. I didn't know what kind of seat. Dude, we're right behind home plate. I was like, this is fantastic. I was like, we had a parking spot next to the gate. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those are y'all rare. Did y'all did it up right. Jeff, Jeff Cook, man, he's a USM legend, you yeah, know. And, and and uh, so <laughs> we get in, and I'm like, wow, it's unbelievable. From the last time I came to a game here versus what it is tonight. And, you know, I want to I want to say this on air. A lot of that is lo- – a lot of it is largely due in part to Scott Berry and, and what he was able to do 
in his time at Southern Miss. And, and obviously Corky started all, and, you know, he, he got it going and Scott took it and, and, and made it even better. And, uh, just a really cool thing to see. And, and I'll be honest, man, being across town's tough. It's tough. It's tough for us as a coach, as coaches, it's tough for our guys as players, because let's be honest. I mean, you guys get <laughs> way more press time than we get. And that's the nature of the beast. It's a bigger school. We understand that. Um, and, and it's tough sometimes to swallow it, but when I went there that Monday night, I, you know, you understand it, yeah. and it was really neat. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I wish you guys had came out on the other end of that game. Mm. Um, I know you guys do, uh, but you here you are. You got another shot. You got one more. As long I as you got another game to play. I say we got another. Matters. I say we have another Ock on the line on the roster. We do. We have uh, we have Josh Ock, who Ryan's little brother. Who would have thought? All these Minnesota players. That's three now, isn't Southern it? Miss. got a pipeline right now. How did that happen? Which one, Ryan? Or just well, the, Minnesota? The, the Minnesota yeah. pipeline. All right, so Matt Walner's a crazy story. And there's an even longer story that I can go into, but essentially Matt Walner was committed to North Dakota State. Their program went under, and the guy who knew – Warner was his, I guess, his summer ball coach, knew Coach Barry, called Coach Barry, said, you need to come take a look at this guy, and then we go get Matt Warner. Other than Warner, I mean, I, th- I think Ryan Ock might have been the same connection, saw him in summer ball, took a chance, brought him in, and now that connection has sent, yeah. you know, Charlie Fisher and, and Josh Ock now, and it's just been been pretty interesting. But I, th- I think the that started off with, I believe it was – a coach at Auburn had played North Dakota State. North Dakota State had beat Auburn on a Friday night, had a really good arm. When their program went under, that arm automatically can transfer. And somehow Coach Barry gets involved trying to get this arm. And then the coach goes, no, this arm's he's going to so-and-so or getting, getting drafted. You need to go look at this recruit I've got coming in named Matt Warner. And all of a sudden, we get Warner out of that. But very long story, but it started like three years before Warner ever even got on campus. Yeah. Slade, this is your senior year, right? Yes, sir. True senior. True senior. All right. What What, what are you majoring in? Oh, I'm a business major. Okay. Now, obviously, baseball is what you want to do when you finish. No doubt. I mean, that's what, no we, that's what we all want to do. I told you guys before the show started, I watch the draft every year to see if I'm going to get drafted. Um. If baseball, say if something happens and baseball didn't plan, pan out, what did you want to do? You ever think I, about that? Yeah, I mean, I have. I have. <laughs> and I've, you know, from playing at Southern Miss, I've had some, you know, different people reach out to me and say, you know, they'd help me when the time comes. But nothing serious. Something in and, the business world. Yeah, and I've had some, you know, people kind of from Columbia tell me the same thing. So, it sounds like I'll have some opportunities. And, you know, sure. I'll worry about it when the time comes. But I'm going to play sure. baseball until they tell me I can't. You need to. So. You need to. Because when it's over, it's over. Right? It, it ends. Slade, <laughs> it, it hits you quick whenever it's over. <laughs> it does. It does. I tell our guys all the time, like, we'll have guys, we'll get done with the season, be like, hey, man, you need to go play here this summer. And he's like, oh, coach, I'm kind of tired. I'm like, dude, you better go play. Because one day they're going to tell you you can't play anymore. You better play every game that's you can I, play. That's what I tell my son. He played baseball. He, he's on a tackle football team. But he plays golf, too. And he loves golf. But I've told him before, I said, look, every one of these end, but one of them doesn't. I said, so you better play those when you can because golf's always going to be there. But I want him to, you know, focus on it. But at the same time, I'm like, if you think you're done with baseball, think twice. Right. Because you're not going to play baseball when you're 28. It's right. not going to happen. Right. <laughs> you can go play golf when you're 28. I'm play golf when you're 78. I'm not going to play baseball. Ever. 
worst golfer ever. Oh, I'll it's say a lot this: of former it, pro guys that play out there at Hattiesburg yeah, Country Club, right, pretty right. good golfers. Um, junior year, you finish your junior year, and I'm almost certain. And if not, I can take this out. I'm almost certain you had opportunities to go and play. Mm-hmm. What made you come back to Southern Miss for your senior year? Uh, well, for one, you know, I'm, you know, I guess you could say I'm the hometown kid. Like, I love Southern Miss. I've come to games since I was 11 years old. And, you know, I'll just be upfront with you. It, I didn't get as much as I thought I should have from what they were offering me. And it, it wasn't worth it to me to go out and miss a chance to be a leadership, a leader. Uh, on this, you know, we have a new offensive team. We have three guys who have ever had at-bats at Southern Miss, right. like big-time at-bats. Right. And the money I was offered just wasn't enough for me to forego my senior year. And, you know, I talked to Coach Oz, you know, when everything was announced, he was getting the job, and, you know, he told me, you know, how much he wanted me. And, you know, it was – it really made my decision a lot a lot easier. And I, the reason I asked you that and wanted I wanted you to say it on air kind of was to show the testament – of what Coach Barry and Coach Ostrander have been able to do there and the culture that you guys have created as a program and how special it is. It makes guys forego a chance to play professional baseball to come back and play another year. I think it speaks volumes for your program. Uh, got a lot of respect for what you guys do every year. And um, obviously looking forward to seeing you guys again this spring, have another successful season. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of new guys, a lot of new faces. It's coaching you know, staff as well, but I'm excited about it. It's and it's like that every year. And Keller, how long have you been coaching now? Coaching. This will be my sixth year. This is my third year at Southern Miss. Yeah. And and the thing that that I have figured out over the last 16 years of doing this is the names on the jerseys will change, but the kids are the same for the most part. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. like we'll have guys that come in. I'm like, man, that guy looks like this guy we had and that guy we had. And they do the same things. They move the same way. The guys are the same. The names are the only thing that change. If your program is stable. Right. And you guys are obviously better than stable. So a lot of success for the future for Southern Miss and largely due in part to the hometown kids, Slade Wills. Oh, Absolutely. No, no. Just renamed yourself. Gave yourself a nickname, Bunker Hill Bomber. Bunker Hill Bomber. Is that it? Is that you know what? That's the title of the podcast tomorrow mm. when it comes out. The Bunker Hill Bomber. That's a There's a big color. sign right behind the uh, dugout that says Bunker Hill Bomber, number seven. No kidding. That's awesome. Guys, we're pretty much out of time tonight. And um, I know Slade's got to get over to the church. And so appreciate you guys coming. Looking forward to the, uh, the Big Buck Challenge. Um, I hope our guys will listen to the show and it'll get them fired up to go get in the woods so we don't lose Southern Miss. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Had fun. Appreciate y'all having us. Thank you, guys. Matt, you got anything else? I do not. While you're scrolling through social media, go check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, visit our website, pinstripes2camo.com, to read weekly blogs and purchase Pinstripes to Camo merchandise.